desire, and you'll come back during the last song. I'd ask everyone else, if you have your Bible, uh, there should be one in the pew close to you if you don't, but it will also be on the screen. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, our final week in Isaiah chapter 9. Also want to remind you, as Matt did at the beginning of the service, that next week we will have a two-service schedule. We will uh, meet for worship at 9. There will also be Christian education offered for all ages at that time. And then also we will have a worship service at 1030. Uh, And we're going to be starting a new series that I'm very excited about. I'm excited to talk about uh, Christ's identity in the big picture through this prophecy that we've been looking at in Isaiah 9. But what we're going to do in the new year is we're going to begin walking with Jesus through his ministry in the gospel of Mark. And there are 16 chapters in the book of Mark. And there are 16 weeks leading from from January 6th, next Sunday, all the way up to Easter. So it will take us from the beginning of his ministry to the resurrection. And I'm really, really excited about spending time together in the gospel of Mark. The prophet Isaiah was sent to the king of Judah as as the Lord's prophets were all throughout the history of God's people. They were sent to the leaders to warn them of God's judgment. Because what had happened with Judah is that the king refused to trust in the Lord as the defense of his people. And instead sought to trust in the political power and the military might of Assyria. And Isaiah warns that judgment is going to come on God's people because of this. There's going to be gloom and anguish and deep darkness for them. But our God is so good that even when He is in the midst of pronouncing judgment, He gives us promises. And the promise that He gives in Isaiah chapter 9 is that the people who are walking in the darkness of judgment will one day see a great light. And that light is going to bring joy, and it's going to bring rejoicing, and it's going to bring rejoicing with joy. And the boots and the garments, the armor of the warrior, are going to be rolled up and used as a source of warmth and light for the people of God in a fire. Peace is going to come to God's people through a promised son. He's going to establish a peace. That is not like the peace that we often talk about, which is merely the absence of conflict. He's going to establish the Hebrew word that is used here and the concept of shalom, completeness, wholeness, total restoration and well-being. In other words, the world will finally be as it should be. And he will be to his people a wonderful counselor. He will embody and apply divine wisdom to human experience. He will be to his people the mighty God, fully and truly man, but fully and truly God who is able to do all things. With man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. He will be the everlasting Father, present, patient, powerful, providing and pleased Father of his people to those he loves. This morning, we'll focus on the shalom that he will bring as our Prince of Peace. So I'd ask you to stand, if you are able, in honor of God's word. And we're going to read once again Isaiah 9, 1 through 7. This is the word of God. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. 
But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and for the staff, of, and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let's ask his help this morning to understand and apply what he has to say to us. Our Lord and our God, we humble ourselves before you this morning. As those who do not live in peace or at peace, but who long desperately for peace. Help us to find Christ as our peace. And help us to be agents of his peace in this world. For your name's sake we pray. Amen. You may be seated. When I was a kid, uh, and we continue this tradition in our in our family today, but after Thanksgiving, we would break out the Christmas music, and at least in the 90s, uh, one of the standards, and it, it still is, gets played a lot in, in my home today, uh, but one of the standards was Amy Grant's album, Home for Christmas, uh, and one of the songs on that album, it's not my favorite song, in fact, it's far from uh, my favorite Christmas song, but it has a message that applies, I think, to all of us. It's called Grown Up Christmas list, and it really gets at the universal human longing for peace, for shalom. And the list that is given goes like this No more lives torn apart, and wars would never start, and time would heal all hearts, and everyone would have a friend, and right would always win, and love would never end. Does that sound good? Absolutely. It's this deep longing within us for peace within ourselves, for peace with other people, for peace in the world. But reality feels and is very different, yes? And so we look for hope. And all throughout human history, we have told stories and fairy tales about hope through royalty. Through a prince. Just think, the prince who comes to kiss and wake up. Snow White. Prince Philip, who rides on his steed with a sword of truth and the shield of valor and slays the dragon who's arisen uh, from the pit of hell to rescue the princess who's under a curse. To Aragorn Strider, the return of the king as he finally takes his rightful throne in Gondor, having vanquished the enemy of darkness. But those are all fictional princes. 
who bring make-believe peace. Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, is a real historical person and the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. Jesus is King David's son, who is also King David's creator and Lord. He alone has the rightful and eternal claim to David's throne, and he deserves an eternal throne because he is an eternal prince. And his kingdom and his peace, the peace of his rule, this text tells us, will expand and will increase forever and ever. And God's people heard Isaiah's prophecy. And they believed Isaiah's prophecy, but they expected this promised prince, this promised prince of peace to come and to establish peace through military might and through political maneuvering. After all, they were a people who had been in exile. They were a people who had been oppressed and conquered and occupied from Assyria to Babylon to Rome. They had walked in darkness under the boots of trampling warriors for literally hundreds of years from Isaiah's prophecy. And so when Jesus came and he declared a kingdom that is not of this world, otherwise his disciples would have been fighting, they missed him. They rejected him. They hated him. And they crucified him. What they failed to realize, and what we often fail to realize as well, is that the biggest obstacle to shalom, the biggest obstacle to peace, is not some enemy outside of us. It is us. They wanted deliverance from their quote-unquote enemies, but they had received that many times over from the hand of the Lord. And it never brought them real and lasting peace. The whole Old Testament is how God's people got themselves into trouble, cried out to the Lord. The Lord saves them, rescues them from their enemies. And what do they do? Right back to the trouble they were in before. We cannot have peace within ourselves. We cannot have peace with others. We cannot bring any measure of real peace in the world if we do not understand that we are the problem and that we need peace with the God who created everything. The foundation of all real peace anywhere is peace with God through Jesus Christ. The foundation of all real peace anywhere is peace with God through Jesus Christ. And that peace does not come through force. It comes through surrender. First, Jesus himself surrendered himself to the plan and the will and the covenant that Father, Son, and Spirit purposed before the foundation of the world. He surrendered the glories of heaven and the praises of the angels to come to earth as one of us, to live as one of us, for us, to take on the form of a servant and become obedient even to the point of death, even death on a cross in the place of sinners like you and like me. And honestly, 
Isaiah, the prophet, who spoke in chapter 9, speaks again and says it much more powerfully and much more beautifully than I ever could. But this is how Jesus, the Prince of Peace, brings peace for His people with the God who created them. Isaiah 53. Who has believed what He has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For He grew up before Him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Romans 5.1, therefore, Since we have now been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 1, 15 through 20. He is the invisible, I'm sorry, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. By the way, that is in preeminence. Firstborn speaks to preeminence, not that Jesus was created, because there was never a time when Jesus was not. For by him all things were created. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace. By the blood of his cross. I would ask you this morning. Do you have peace with God. Through the Lord Jesus Christ. In his righteous life. In his atoning death. And in his victorious resurrection. Do you know him? Have you surrendered to him? Have you taken him as savior? And as Lord. And I would implore you this morning. If you have never known Christ. If you have never bowed the knee to the Prince of Peace. If you have never had reconciliation with God. And the forgiveness of your sins. By trusting in Him. Today is the day of His favor. He has extended mercy and grace to you this morning. In your hearing of this word from His word. And His invitation to you stands. Repent. And believe the good news. And you will have peace with God. And what happens when we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. It makes other kinds of peace possible. Peace with God through Christ makes other kinds of peace possible. First, peace with God through Christ frees us to possess peace within ourselves. Peace with God through Christ frees us to possess peace within ourselves. 
I ask people how they're doing a lot. And I'm sincere when I ask how people are doing. And I'm glad that people are honest when they answer me. When I ask people, how are you really doing? I get a lot of busy, crazy, stressful, difficult, anxious, etc. You know what I don't often hear? Peaceful. But there's an exception to that. One of the great privileges of being a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that families call you to minister to them when a loved one is passing. And I have sat by the bed of Christian people, those who have known the Prince of Peace as they are dying, and they have said, I'm at peace. Or I feel so peaceful, I didn't expect this. Or their family members describe a remarkable peace in them. And Charles Wesley, a man who wrote hymns that we still sing today, including one that we sang most recently, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. He began to rapidly decline in health at the age of 79. And his doctor, who would visit him every day just to check on him, see how he's doing, minister to his needs, he wrote in his journal about Wesley's attitude as he faced death. He wrote... He possessed that state of mind which, had always been, which he had always been pleased to see in others. Unaffected humility and holy resignation to the will of God. He had no transports of joy, but solid hope and unshaken confidence in Christ which kept his mind in perfect peace. Folks, I think what happens to believers when they know their time is short is that they suddenly gain perspective. And they realize that what has mattered all along has not been the things on their schedule that they have run to and fro from, but the peace that they have with God through Christ and how he has been at work in their lives, displaying and spreading that peace to others. And they themselves have peace. Peace with God through Christ will sustain us in even the most dire and difficult circumstances because we know that God loves us and is working our good in all things. Because in Christ, we already have all of the acceptance, affirmation, affection, attention, and accolades that the world is so anxiously striving for from one another, except we have it irrevocably from the one who matters most, our Creator. Jesus, in John 14, 27, just before the cross, he says, Peace I leave with you, and my peace I give to you. The Apostle Paul in Colossians and Philippians says this, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Folks, Christians ought to be different from the world in that peace with God through Christ allows us and frees us to possess peace within ourselves regardless of our circumstances. The second thing is that peace with God through Christ frees us to pursue peace with others. It allows us to possess peace within ourselves and it frees us to pursue peace with others. Charles Spurgeon, widely known as the Prince of Preachers, said this, The Lord Jesus Christ is the great cause of peace between man and man. 
As soon as you become a Christian, you cannot hate anybody. Folks, we need to hear that. As soon as you are a Christian, you cannot hate anybody. To be angry without cause is a sin to you as soon as you are a believer in Christ. Unless you are a fearful hypocrite, then you forgive every man his offenses and you continue to forgive your brethren even unto 70 times 7 once you become a sincere disciple of Jesus. See, the security that we have in our Prince of Peace frees us to risk loving those who may reject us. It also keeps us from placing the impossible burden of being our peace on those who love us. There's a meme going around right now and it says, be his peace or be her peace about your significant other. And what I would say is that that is totally unfair and doomed to failure. You cannot be another person's peace. Our only role as the significant other of another person is to point them to the only one who can. The Prince of Peace who is the Lord Jesus Christ. The forgiveness that we have from our Prince of Peace... Our Prince of Peace frees us to extend extravagant grace to those who offend us. Friends, who do you need to forgive today? What are the, I'm sure, very good reasons why you have not forgiven them already? In light of the extravagant and endless love and mercy and forgiveness you have received from the Prince of Peace, how might you today take steps to pursue peace with them? The gentleness that we receive from our Prince of Peace frees us to be gentle with others. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, Turn to him, the other, also. For those of us who know the Prince of Peace, retaliation goes out the window because we have been freed to pursue peace with others, even those who wrong us. Peace with God through our Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ, allows us to possess peace within ourselves and pursue peace with other people. And finally, peace with God through Christ frees us to promote peace In the world. Peace with God through Christ allows us and frees us to promote peace in the world. We all long for real and lasting peace in the world. Ask any beauty pageant contestant. If you could do one thing, what would you do? World peace. And all of us agree with that. We would all establish world peace if we could because we so long for it. Because we know that that is the way that things are supposed to be. But what human history has unquestionably proved is that peace will not and cannot come through military might and political maneuvering. We know that ultimate peace 
The shalom that is promised in Isaiah chapter 9 and throughout the Bible will only come through the second advent. We just celebrated the first advent of Christ where he was born in a manger and grew and was crucified on a cross and rose again on the third day and is now at the right hand of the Father. We know that real and lasting peace will only fully come through the second advent, the second appearing of the Prince of Peace. And and what will it be like? The prophet Isaiah again tells us, In Isaiah chapter 65, verse 17 and following. For behold, I create a new heaven and a new earth. And the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die at a hundred years old, and the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For the days of a tree shall shall be the days of my people, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity, for they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. And dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. And then Revelation 21, 1 through 8. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be pain any more. Nor mourning, nor crying, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he also said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Oh, that day when the Prince of Peace comes and with him total peace. Until that day, we are ambassadors and agents of the Prince of Peace in the world. So we pray. We pray your kingdom come, your will be done. And we live out His kingdom, His rule, and His peace in the way that we see and treat others. And, and this is really important, we seek to fulfill the mission that He gave us. Not a mission of military might or political maneuvering. A mission of making disciples of all nations. Because it is as the rule of the Prince of Peace spreads into the hearts and lives of all tribes and languages and nations and peoples that we will taste more and more of the shalom that is to come. 
Folks, we have been conditioned by ideas like walk softly and carry a big stick. An American mantra from Washington through Hamilton all the way up to the present day is peace through strength. And that's certainly the American way. But I would ask you, is it the way of the kingdom? Is it the way of the Prince of Peace? Peace through violence or the threat of it has been attempted in every human generation but never achieved, at least not for long. I believe that we as a church need to be reconditioned by the Prince of Peace. We need to hear him say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you for my name's sake. Rejoice and be glad, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. To Peter, as he is being arrested and led to a a fake sham of a trial and then crucified, Jesus says to Peter, Put away your sword, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. And the natural question for us, it is absolutely a natural question for us to ask, is, but what will happen to us if we obey all these things that Jesus said? What will happen to us if we imitate the Prince of Peace? What will happen if we listen to and heed His commands as if He were Lord of all things, including our lives? The answer is very simple. We win. Revelation chapter 12. Verse 10 and 11. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now, The salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ has come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. It is a picture of, by the way, our enemy is not flesh and blood. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against powers and principalities of darkness. Amen? And this is a picture of the authority of God and His Christ being established because the ultimate evil has been thrown down. And this is what God says about the people of God. And they have conquered Him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. We conquer the evil one. We conquer our enemies. We establish peace by the word of our testimony. And how do we do that? For they loved not their lives even unto death. No more let sin and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of His righteousness and wonders of His love. This is our Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, these are hard things to believe, hard things to obey, hard things 
to understand. I'm so glad that you know our frame. You know that we are but dust. You know that we will resist the peace that you give us in Christ. The peace that we are called to spread to those that we come in contact with. And the peace that we are to promote in the world by loving not our lives even unto death. Lord, I pray that you would impress on our hearts that what makes for peace is the people of God living at peace within themselves. Pursuing peace with others and promoting peace in the world because they already have peace with the one who matters most. And Lord, help us to spread your peace. To publish the reign of the Prince of Peace to all the world. Lord, help us go out into the world and tell the story of the child who has come. The man who was crucified. The Lord who is risen. To his name's sake, our Prince of Peace, we pray. Amen. Let's stand together, respond to God's word in song.